The following podcast is presented by Together Washington. Together Washington, we are seeking to build bridges across divides and tell the inspiring stories of those building the common good. If you'd like to support or get involved with Together Washington, go to togetherwashington.com. I am so excited to introduce to you our first guest. Uh, Christopher Williams is the deputy superintendent, as well as he's been, I think, three or four times the acting superintendent of City of Seattle Parks and Recreation. More importantly, he is a faithful, humble leader in our city, and we need a lot of that. And I'm so excited to welcome Christopher to Live from Seattle. Christopher, welcome to the show much tim um i am so proud of you uh you sound as though you've been doing a show for about 30 years <laughs> i'm really i'm really impressed thank well, you for having me on hey i appreciate that i appreciate that yeah t- christopher you know for the listeners listening in um you've been with with city of seattle parks now going on i know about 25 years oh uh, no about 28 years 28 years Wow. Yes, I'm rounding the corner. <laughs> <laughs> so 19 so that, that was about 1993 or so that you Yes. Yes. Okay, 90 about that time that I started. Okay, 1993 you started with City of Seattle Parks and Rec which which in Parks and Rec and for the City of Seattle, I mean, is that about 80 years in like in government city government years? <laughs> yeah, it feels like it sometimes. But. <laughs> You know, it's mitigated by the fact that I love the work and I love the community and just believe in the value of public parks and recreation. You know, Christopher, I, I mentioned up top that, you know, I, I've worked I've worked closely with you. So full disclosure, Christopher is a friend. I've worked closely with him on, on a number of things. And, and I do have and I'm not this is not just hyperbole. This is you have been as I've watched you just a behind the scenes a faithful, humble, principled leader. I've seen your the people who work with you for you. They just they love you. They respect you. And I just I'm I am so glad in a time in Seattle where it feels like there's just so much toxicity. And a lot of times we're like, man, where are we need leaders? And and there are great leaders out there, Christopher. You're one of those great leaders. So I, I thank you for the work that you do. Um, thank you so much. Tell us just, you know, give us the listeners a quick high level of of parks and rec in Seattle. Because Seattle, and you have helped do this, You Seattle has one of the premier park systems in the country. I mean, I don't know if we, if folks in our region know that, but we have one of the premier park systems. And it wasn't always like that. You have helped develop that through your leadership. Give us kind of that high level parks overview. So I would, if I was describing the Seattle Park System to a complete stranger, a person who, had, who knew nothing about the park system, I would think about it or describe it as a living museum. And uh, what we do is curate a 150-year-old treasure in the city, and it's our living green infrastructure. Uh, it's our parks. It's a park system that was designed by John C. Olmsted, whose father was Frederick Law Olmsted, who designed Central Park in New York. So there's great provenance for this system and uh, how how its bones were laid down 
this is perhaps one of the best park and recreation systems across the country. And um, I think it will continue to be that way and continue to shine. And, you know, I think as a uh, example of that, you know, the system is a source of pride for the people who live here. They have invested in it. Uh, they voted a few years ago to pass a uh, park levy, or rather uh, um, a metropolitan park district ballot measure. So this is a well-loved system, and uh, we're so fortunate to be surrounded by water, the mountains, uh, green space. And uh, I think what's more is we get to experience that in the confines of an urban setting. So this really is a great park system. Yeah. What are the other ones that, because I know Seattle is, I mean, we're near the top of the list in the country. What are absolutely? Are, what are the couple of the others that, that kind of rival Seattle when it comes to parks? New York? Chicago? Uh, I think... I think New York is probably in a class all by itself. Um, they have tremendous acreage in New York. Uh, New York is like a 12 million acre park system. Uh, we are a 6,000 acre park system, 6,500 acre park system. Um, Wait, and how many does New York have? About 12 million acres. Twelve. No, so the park system is 12 million? The park million system acres? in New York City is about 12 million acres, <laughs> and uh, we have about 6,500 acres of park space in Seattle. Oh, and my And I think goodness. what makes us special, and we are comparable to places like Denver, Washington, D.C., Austin, Chicago. Uh, those are all great cities, and um, uh, so I would say those are our peer sister cities uh, across the country. Wow, I'm just I'm still just thinking about the difference between 12 million and six. I mean, that yeah. is just I, I can't even fathom that right now. But <laughs> yeah, they're they're truly a class by themselves. They have over a billion dollar operating budget just for the park department in New York. How, Christopher, how do you you've seen so much over the years? I think you've served under eight mayors, maybe um, eight or nine yeah, mayors. So you quite a few mayors going back to Mayor Rice. Although, so Mayor Rice was your first one that you served under. That's a yeah. That's a. It's hard to go anywhere but down after that, right? I mean, that's that's a. Yeah, that, you you started off like with one of the best. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, I wouldn't say down. I I would just say different, right? Yeah. Right. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you manage to? I mean, for someone who is listening and and perhaps has been in the same position or has been in the same org for a long time. You, you've taught me so many great leadership lessons over the years. How do you ma- maintain and manage to, to continue and work with, with joy and work in with inspiration and hope? As I said, you've been there for 28 years. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a stressful job that you have. Uh, you're dealing with, obviously, different administrations all the time. What kind of advice do you have for for those of us that are, you know, man, I'm just, how do I stay the course? Well, you know, I try to practice servant leadership. And what that means to me is, in all cases, preserving the dignity and humanity of others. Um, this is a very key core uh, sort of human experience for a lot of people. Everyone wants to be treated with dignity 
and respect. Um, I'm reminded of a discussion. Uh, in fact, I had just today, um, you'll recall my friend Antoinette. Mm. Uh, she was telling me about the story of Boaz and Ruth. And, uh, you know, Boaz was a leader who went the extra mile. Uh, you know, he was generous and compassionate. Uh, he was generous with compliments or what we might call encouragement. Uh, he was courteous. He was courteous and spoke to Ruth with respect, even though during those times, uh, you know, as an immigrant, she would have been considered to have a lower station in life beneath a servant. But even with that, he was generous towards her, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he was generous with his credibility, right? And I think leaders, we need to be generous with our credibility. And what that means is using our credibility to amplify someone else's opportunity, right? Mm. I had a, uh, I had a colleague very early in my career say to me, uh, Pat Elder said to me, uh, that we're all building each other's resume. And I said, well, Pat, what does that mean? He said, you know, just by saying good things about each other's coworkers, saying good things about employees, we are developing an impression and a profile of that person, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 will serve them well later in their careers. And I think as leaders, we are called to um, amplify other people's opportunity through the credibility that we bring to the table as leaders, right? Yeah. Um, I also think you can, uh, you know, there's a saying that goes, "You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving." And as a leader, you know, you need to find a way to love the people you lead. And if you can't love them, then you need to at least have a genuine regard for their welfare, right? Yeah, wow. And, um, you know, a good boss, a good leader will always err on the side of uh, generosity. Um, You know, there's all kinds of forms of generosity, like assuming positive intent. Right. uh, Extending the benefit of doubt. Uh, using mistakes as opportunities to teach versus punish. And then I think finally, yeah, I'm sorry. No, was, go ahead. I was, I was going to wrap up with, um, what's my train of thought here? Like good leaders um, err on the side of building people up and positive affirmation about the work, about the situation, about finding opportunities and creating the space for people to be positive and not just feel good about the work, but to feel good about themselves in the context of the work. And, um, you know, I think those drivers around, uh, uh, you know, you may not know anything about leadership at all, but as long as you are genuinely, authentically committed to uh, preserving someone else's dignity, then, you know, you're on the right track to becoming a good leader. We're on with longtime Seattle leader, who's the deputy superintendent, City of Seattle Parks and Recreation, Christopher Williams. Christopher, you're talking about things that are so countercultural, <laughs> right? I mean, they're they are countercultural right. to what we generally are taught, or even what we read in leadership books, because often the society that that we're in, especially you know, with cities, urban environments where things just move so fast and quick and, you know, the, the fast eat the slow, so to speak. And, you know, you're describing, and, and we're really people live with ladders, right? I mean, our whole life is about climbing a ladder, right? And like, that's how we approach things. Like we start in school and we got to 
get good mm-hmm. grades and we're climbing a ladder, right? We got to get good grades so we get, right. we can get into a good college so we can climb a ladder. Okay, we got to go to a good college so that we can get you know, a good job and then we're going to and then when we're at the job, we're going to we keep climbing the ladder, right? And right. when we when we climb a ladder, we climb over people. And right. and that's what we're trying to do, right? We 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 most oftentimes we can push people down, we want to climb over them, around them, whatever it is. And what you're describing is basically just just dis- forget the ladder, right? I mean, you're at sound you're describing this servant leadership component that's you're helping people up the ladder is what you're describing. I mean, it's right. a beautiful description you're giving. Well, you know, Tim, thank you for that. Um, I think that we all share common needs, like we need to pay our mortgage and our, or rent. We need to, you know, pay the light bill. We need to buy groceries. We need, you know, we have all these needs just to sustain life, right, and uh, take care of our kids and families. But I think we need to decide more after we have satisfied kind of our basic needs for living, right? So after you satisfy the paycheck, what else do you need, right? And for me, I've often have felt the need to be giving to someone else and to be contributing to someone else's uh, advancement, right? Mm. Um, you know, I think when I leave here, uh, no one may remember what kind of car I drove, uh, all the great fishing trips we had. or I'll remember <laughs> your boat, whatever, though. Right? You remember the fishing trip, I remember. right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> double uh, double trouble, people, baby. Double trouble, that's right. Um, that's a euphemism for Tim and I both catching salmon at the same time together. Um, but I think I think people always remember how you made them feel, right? Yeah. And, uh, how you spoke to them and how you uh, uh, made them feel like it was okay just to be a person. Mm-hmm. you know, and not know everything and, uh, you know, constantly, uh, you know, act as though we're all on a pathway towards continuous progress and, and improvement mm. and uh, continuous learning, right? So I guess what I'm saying is after we have satisfied our need for a paycheck, then I think it's just time to evolve a little bit, you know, yeah. how do yeah. How do we do this for other uh, sort of a, a different set of drivers, right? Yes. And, um, you know, we've got to grow beyond, uh, you know, working for a paycheck. We have longtime Seattle leader. He's the deputy superintendent of City of Seattle Parks and Recreation, Christopher Williams, with us, who has done unbelievable work in our region for for many, many years and has helped provide leadership to have our park system be one of the best in the country. And uh, so we're learning a lot about what he's up to and some leadership lessons. And Christopher, I do have to ask you, if you had to pick one park to go to in Seattle, I know this is a very tough question, but if you just had to pick one, which one do you go to? I like Discovery Park. Discovery. And, um, Discovery Park uh, in Magnolia. Uh, great park. And the one thing I like about it is you can face looking the uh, looking toward the Olympic Mountains. 
and uh, be surrounded by old growth, urban forest right in the middle of the city. And then if you stand on your tippy toes while you're over, while you're looking toward the uh, west and kind of turn back and look over your shoulder, you can see the tips of the building in downtown Seattle. You wouldn't even know you were in the city uh, if you were in the right place in that park because it's so wooded. Um, mm. Just a beautiful old growth stand of urban forest and Discovery Park. Yeah. What's one park that maybe many people don't know about? What's like a hidden gem that you're like, oh man, this is a this is kind of a secret of uh, that only the the deputy superintendent would know. You know, what's a what's a hidden gem in the city? Well, you know, so um, a lot of cities have what are called master plans for their park system that dictate right down to the uh, type of blades of grass and plant species need to be planted in every single park. Seattle, a long time ago, adopted the position that we should let neighborhoods design their own parks. So Seattle parks have evolved to be unique, to have their own character, to have their own sense of place and space. Uh, There's places like Bradner Gardens. Uh, Joyce Modi and that group of volunteers do an exceptional level of volunteer work there. It is an urban garden or pea patch, but it doesn't look like the traditional pea patch. There's artwork there. There are so many features in that park that, uh, you know, you kind of go to it and you'd ask, well, why don't all the other parks look like this? This is really unique. Um, there are parks where the community's gotten together and said, hey, we want to care more deeply about the environment. So they've decided to have their own apiary, right? An apiary is a place where you keep bees. Um, that's at the Lube Park adjacent to uh, Lake Union on the north end of Lake Union Park, Little Pea Patch Park. I can't remember the name of it. But there are so many little neighborhood jewels like that that, that have the footprint of the local neighborhood character and the people who are passionate about fundraising for that park, uh, the artwork in the park, um, the one nice thing about our park system is that all 485 parks, for the most part, are different and unique in their own character. Yeah. You know what I'm excited about, Christopher? Oh, what's that? I'm excited about Waterfront Park. Oh, my goodness. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's been so much happening, you know, this past year in the news and, you know, just happening that we kind of, I kind of forgot about Waterfront Park and. Oh my goodness! Like this is going to be. Won't this take us to just kind of a new level when it comes to our park system and what that will mean? You bet. You know, this is the biggest civic project in Seattle since the uh, what the nineteen sixty two World's Fair that created the Seattle Center. Wait, um, wait, wait! Are, is that true? Yeah. This is the biggest public oh, project since nineteen sixty two. Biggest civic project since we created the. Uh, World's Fair is the recreation of Seattle's waterfront. Wow. Taking down of the viaduct and uh, rebuilding the access and connectivity to to the city, to uh, our historic waterfront. So opening up that uh, whole span of Valley Avenue, having a waterfront uh, linear park is uh, a huge transformative uh thing that's happening for the city and it's probably been underway for the last 10 years mm-hmm. of course the first step was for the viaduct to come down and the uh 
tunnel freeway work to happen. And, um, uh, you know, volunteers in the city are contributing vast amounts of resources to make that vision a reality. So, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. It will transform the uh, face and character of the city, I think, which for many years have been framed with the uh, aspect of the uh, viaduct sort of looming over the uh, Seattle waterfront. Now that's gone. So yeah. there's that maybe you know, for people to reconnect. Governor Evans, when he was governor, um, put that into uh, motion in the viaduct. Is and that right? So he was, wow. he was, you know, he, he got, and he, he got to see the beginning and the end of, of the viaduct, right? Which is, of the viaduct. cause that's he's still, amazing. you know, he's 95, right? And, um, yeah, that's and right. so he, he got to see the, uh, the beginning and the end of it. It was pretty, pretty cool. But Christopher, yeah, yeah he's a good Wonderful. man. Yeah. Chris, yeah, Governor yeah. Evans, he's, he's, um, He's a leader like you that that really does a great job of bringing people together, building bridges, and and uh, just really appreciate. I really like him a lot. Yeah, Governor Evans, good good yeah. guy. You know, Christopher, I want to ask you. You know, I know a few years ago, you know, just I, you had you had a health scare, and yes, and and there's something that, in we've talked about this, and you know, there's always something when when we go through, even you know, I mentioned this even in in the show last night, this, this phrase about the dark night of the soul, like all of us to really live a life of love. We have to go through what an old writer, St. John of the cross talked about the dark night of the soul where we just have to go through, you know, tough things, right? We go through hard things and, and then that just really brings us to a better place of who we are and, and how we love and serve. And can you take us through, take us to that point? Um, Cause this was a big point, you know, in your life and, mm-hmm. you know, to see you where you are today and all the lessons you've learned is I think really powerful. Yeah. So thank you for uh, bringing that up, Tim. Um, you know, I think every life has a point of transformation where we start to, uh, um, you know, life brings us information, brings us situations, brings us conditions uh, that tells us we have to change, right? I mean, we either have to change in how we're managing our health, we have to change in uh, our behavior. Uh, So uh, several years ago, I was diagnosed originally with... uh, uh, a form of lung cancer and was able to uh, have a surgery at the University of Washington by the wonderful people at the University of Washington and uh, was sort of given a new lease on life. A few, a few years later, I uh, had a different kind of uh, cancer um, uh, that took me through um, uh, just a different kind of reckoning um, I think, and uh, I think what it has shown me is that, um, you know, you might have two or three cars in the driveway, uh, but you only get to drive one of them, one of them at a time, right? Mm. And I think just like the days of our life, right? You know, Mm. you might think you have uh, uh, a whole bunch of days left, but you got to live each one of those days one day at a time, right? Right. So I think what it really taught me is to be more present in the moment, you know, like I'm going to really invest 
in this day today, right? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to really be present here. In fact, uh, I didn't know that I had a love for salmon fishing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, until I, uh, decided that I was going to slow down, take time and go out salmon fishing with a friend, fell in love with it, bought a boat. And, uh, you know, I was thinking that, you know, that's something I'm going to do when I retire is buy an old boat and go fishing. Right. And um, I think the transformation for me is you got to start living now, right? Yeah. You know, and you you know you might get to do some stuff when you retire if you're fortunate uh, to live long enough to do that. But you've got to start investing in today, right? And uh, not taking today for granted. And so, if you love fishing, if you love uh, gardening, if you love whatever it is you love, you you've got to uh, spend some time make a decision, get a plan, and go do what you love. Because yeah. you may not have an opportunity to do what you love. And, uh, you know, I think the other thing that goes with that is the people that are in your life, show them love through your generosity, right? Mm. And your ability to care about them and your ability to be understanding. You know, there is no... Uh, there's there there is uh, kind of this inverse equation, right, where we all need more understanding, but there seems to be a deficit in the supply of understanding, right? Yeah. From other people, so you know, to the extent that uh, we can be transformed to enrich the supply of understanding that we give to each other, you know, and cutting each other some slack, and. Um, uh, you know, these were kind of bone deep beliefs for me already, but I think, hey, I don't know if I'm going to live or die here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, wow. it sort of reinforced for me what's really important, right? Mm-hmm. And what's re- what was really important uh, for however many days I have left, right? Um, the kind of impact I want to have on the people around me, uh, how I want to be able to experience what is good about life and share that with other people and family. And I think really a call toward generosity, you know, to uh, uh, have more of a giving spirit. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, it's hard for anybody getting through the unknowns of a cancer diagnosis. And I by no means uh, have wrote the book on that or can advise people on that. But um, I think the uh, only other advice I would say is if, if you're going through something like that, stay off the Internet. (laughs) <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> because you know, going on the internet, doing the research on the internet, you know, it's you know, cancers impact people differently, and they all uh, impact us, you know, in unique ways. And I think medical science has uh, changed so much, so there is probably much more profound hope for people battling cancer today than people who were battling the same cancers 25 years ago. I think the prognosis for quality of life and good life are generally good. Yeah. based on... Well, um, the advice to stay off the Internet could apply for a lot of things. Um, a lot of things, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we got a few more minutes left. We're with Christopher Williams... Deputy Superintendent, City of Seattle Parks and Recreation. You know, Christopher, you're mentioning a, a 
few minutes ago about salmon fishing. I'll tell you, when I've, I've been out salmon fishing with Christopher and seeing you out there, I mean, talk about being in your element and just the 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 joy on your face, you know, getting a fish and then knowing how to process the fish. I, I The first time I tried to process a fish, oh, my goodness. I mean, I just – I mean, I just – jacked up the whole fish and is barely even able to put it on the grill but you came in and you showed me how to process a fish man you you are good at that stuff oh man sam we have had some good times on puget sound together yes memorable times you on the sound absolutely now christopher i know you're hopeful for um you know 2021 to be a little better year for parks than 2020 and I, I think it will be. Do you, do you, do you have do you have some good got some good hope for uh, parks for twenty twenty one? Absolutely. You know this is uh, you know this system is over one hundred and fifty years old, and um, uh, you know the bones of the system are still there. Um, you know we've had some impacts due to COVID nineteen, uh, but you know turf. It's very easy to restore. Vegetation is very easy to prune and manage. Litter and garbage can be removed. Um, this is still a very good system, and we are on our way to, uh, I think, being able to provide the citizens of Seattle a wonderful outdoor park experience this summer. Yeah, that's wonderful. I cannot wait to see the sun come out again and get out into our parks yeah. and use them. And I know it's going to be great. And I appreciate all that you do for that. We've heard some amazing just leadership principles today from Christopher around servant leadership and how to uplift others, which I tell you, Christopher, that is, um, that's one of the more impressive things that, you know, I think that you show that I think for us as humans, to give that dignity and respect to others, to want to put others up and not, I mean, that's, you know, it's very scriptural, right? You know, I, I came not to be served, but to serve and you show that servant leadership. And I, I appreciate those words that you share because that's a, in our day and age, when, when, when money and power and control really kind of rule the day, how do what I've seen is we, we need to do those things. We're not going to get rid of those things, right? You don't get rid of money, power, right. and control. But how do you do thing, How do you do those in a different way, right, in a counter-cultural right. way? And that's, I think, so important for us as a society to, to do money, power, and control in a different way, in a upside-down sort of way. Right. I think you just hit the nail on the head, Ken. So I appreciate all that you do. If you ever want to get in touch with the park system, you want to you want to be a volunteer. There are so many groups out there that are doing great works. I actually help um, lead a group called Friends of Denny Park, but there's a lot of others all around the city of volunteer groups that are doing good things. Christopher, if someone wanted to get involved with a group and to volunteer and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm ready to." put my time and my work into action. How could, how could people do that? Well, I think two ways. They could go to Seattle park gov website and um, look for volunteer opportunities. And we have a whole uh, portal that allows people to uh, share their interest. 
you know, because of COVID right now, we have maybe reduced volunteer opportunities today, but those opportunities will reemerge as we reopen the system. So I would encourage people to go to seattleparks.gov and uh, just follow the directions there, and it'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, that's great. Any, any any parks in particular that you would say, okay, I would love to see some people go help this park? You know, City Hall Park downtown, you know, um, if there's a downtown community that lives near that park, that's, you know, that's one that comes to mind. Uh, but really, every neighborhood park needs love from people who live near the park. Too. That's how you essentially have a great love, or rather, a great park system because... People who live near the park, uh, you know, they volunteer, they care about it, they spend their time there, and all parks need that. So wherever you live, if you have an interest, just shoot us an email at seattleparks.gov, and we will make sure you get appointed in the right direction for volunteering. Excellent. Christopher, thank you. We've been on with Christopher Williams, Deputy Superintendent, City of Seattle Parks and Recreation. Really appreciate your time.